Okay, welcome to the new podcast. Today we have Emilio with us, who is uh, heading ASICS uh, VP Innovation, if I understand correctly, for Europe, Central Africa, and Central, what was it? Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Europe, Middle East, and Africa. I've seen that you were responsible for getting ASICS from 18th place to 3rd place in Spain. Um, A lot of background, a lot of uh, experience in ASICS as well as innovation articles that I've read. I don't want to go too deep into it because I want to hear your story, of course. And uh, I would like to start this way with um, asking what I always ask, which is, how is your childhood like? Where did you start? How, uh, what led to the mindsets that you have today? I, I think all in life we have a lot of things that bring you to that place. I think long time ago with my family I was traveling abroad and that opened my mind but uh, maybe one of the things studying engineering or studying MBA things can open your mind but I think what really bring me to this is being in positions that let me be a startup inside a corporation sometimes what do you mean with that? I've been in uh, when I was joining ASICS it was uh, they, they hired me to take the distributor business that moves to, to the multinational means they buy the rights to the distributor and they want to convert in a multinational and the company before I was doing the same then in fact this kind of position is you have to be startup inside the corporation you have to follow the rules of the corporation you have the guidelines of, but you have to move like in a startup so you st- what was the company before ASICS? What did you work on specifically? Before ASICS, I was working in Life Fitness. It's a fitness equipment uh, company. It was an American brand, I think. Yes, and before that, I was uh, with my family creating uh, our own business also. You were in a family business? Before that, yes. I've been in all spectrum of uh, ranges and sizes. I would like to actually dive deeper into the family business. So can you maybe shape a little bit of the story of how you first entered it and then maybe the history of the family business as well? I think long time ago we, it's, it's uh, the time that still was not called a startup <laughs> because uh, the startup name is very thing and we, we create a company for recycling uh, bottles of water and from that it came a second company that creates with the protocol of recycling uh, flooring systems and we create flooring that we sell uh, created with recycled material. So you were selling the bottles and the flooring? It was uh, with bottles and with the covering of the cables, then it was several recyclings and with, with this recycled material we were producing. And who came up with it? Uh, it was an idea of my father, then I was uh, the guy on the back selling and, and doing the marketing. So you joined at 18 years old or how did it No, work? before I worked in another corporation, but I was uh, around 26 or 25, yeah. So, and to give context for the listeners, so what year was this all happening? Oof, long time ago, let's say this way, long time ago, I even don't remember. I think I saw the 90s or something. Could be something like that, yes. So, you're working, you, because I think at that point you just graduated, and then you worked at uh, this corporation, and then your dad just comes to you and says, hey, I need your help, or well, yeah. what happened exactly? Yeah, he was uh, creating that company, and he needed help, and it was opportunity. So, usually my experiences with family business is, uh, again, that's me, um, I spend three days, and then I need a break. Uh, so, what is your perception like? 
I, I think that's real. It's uh, I think it's it's nice to work with family. Sometimes it's good to work abroad the family, and you need to demonstrate yourself. One of the reasons that I was out is that because I need to think for myself that I can do things outside. But uh, but it's also important, and I think I could be more years there because we create two companies. Each one was in one company, and then let us space. And how did the growth go once you joined in? The growth was really good. Uh, I think the challenges you have when you create a company, it's always the same. It's you have to have a good quality, you have to have uh, a good uh, finance, and these kind of things is what is tough when you create a company. So let's dive like, a little bit deeper into that, because to me, that's very broad. Like You have to have good finances, good quality. How did you know the quality was good? How did you make sure the finances were good? I think the first thing you have to think is that the years that we're speaking doesn't exist, uh, the VCs and these kind of things, this is uh, something that came much later, and and, uh, and means finance-wise what you need is uh, all business that you create, almost, I, I cannot tell all, but main of the business that is a creation, they have some years that they need a cash flow, a negative, to create the business, then you have to be covered on that. And on the other side, quality-wise, is I think uh, we all know what is an MVP, we all know what, but sometimes there is a minimum that you need to be able to launch things properly. So and sometimes you make mistakes. Can you give an example? Of no, for example, in, in, uh, in the company we make some mistakes on, on the quality, it was a good product, but sometimes was not giving the right standards, and this make you learn. How did you know? Like was when client? customers are not cost are happy, that's the the main indicator of any business, I think. So how did you track that customers were not happy? Because nowadays there are reviews online, but back then there were no reviews. I, I think in, in marketing, in sales, nothing is invented, always the same. Uh, if you go much years before I was born, it was the, 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 the shop in the small village, and that guy know everybody, knows everybody if was happy or not, knows all the gossips, knows everything. Then things that has changed with the time is the way and the, and the reach. Nowadays, anything is in a second, there is a review. But a long time ago also was the option to listen customers, to speak with customers. It was much more complicated. So you would call them up or? Uh, you call them up, you follow up. If you really focus on customers, you do it. That's in the internet era or the before internet era. So, so let's say now you look back um, at what you did back then to now, do you still use some of the older methods? I think there, uh, let's say there are bases. Their bases are the same, the methods are different. So how are you doing? I give you an example. In that time, uh, instead of uh, email newsletter, uh, you, you make print newsletter. Uh, instead of uh, customize, you make blocks of customization that you print different things. Then the things are the same. The way that you do it are much better, faster, whatever. I give you an example of one thing that you will see. Is, uh, the glasses were invented before Gutenberg in Venice. Yeah. And the market was only the, mo the monks uh, that they used and the market was not there. Then suddenly it came Gutenberg. 200 years later, and then suddenly it was a big market of glasses. What I'm telling is, glasses were invented 200 years before, but there was no market. 
then a lot of the ideas, all of the ideas are already invented. It's the way that you execute it, the way that you do it, how it how it's done. I mean, that's partially like what the job is of innovation then, no? To make sure that you innovate in a way, but also communicate it to the masses somehow. Because you said the glasses were there, but they weren't really suited for the market. Some type of innovation must have happened also in the mindsets of people to eventually want glasses, right? And the example that comes up to me nowadays is Tesla. Like electric vehicles are really old, but then now it's cool to have like an electric vehicle. So using the example of the glasses, um, which you know we can eventually look into like what your business did, but considering your position in innovation, like how do you feel you do innovation then that really creates products for fitting markets? Uh, I think the first thing is you do not have to assume. And assume, I think, is the biggest problem of all companies. First thing is you are speaking about electric cars. Electric cars, the biggest limitations before was the batteries, still there are. The chargers, because the motor is older than the gasoline. Mm. But, but things are changing. And I think one of the things that we have to have in innovation is do not assume because one thing that didn't not work two years ago today is the same thing every day is changing things technology is changing and things are different for example with the 5g a lot of things will completely change the assumptions that we are doing and and these kind of things i think is one of the roles of innovation is we have to match two things one thing is if customers are willing to buy it the most important thing is the one that pay us and second thing is technology is ready for that and then you have to adapt both things. Okay. I want to still keep for a second with the family business because to me it always is intriguing, the family business. How, uh, how long did you stay there eventually? If I'm not wrong, in two periods, it was two periods of three years, around five or six years. Yeah. How has the relationship with your dad evolved? Has it become better because of it or worse? It's been always good. The, the key thing on this kind of things, you have to be very clear what is the barriers, the limits, where you bring work at home or not at home, these kind of things. And, but this is the same with a lot of the startups nowadays. Uh, some of the founders, they live together because they are doing the business and they have to know the barriers. And if it's not a barrier, it's when people get burnout, when people have illness and a lot of things, then that's the same thing. So how did you do that with your dad? What, was it your dad who said, no, these are the limitations, or was it you? I think it's a mix of both, and, and I think that uh, depends on the personality of the people. If you know how to express yourself and you know how to tell what is good or bad, then you have an advantage. Okay, so can you give an example of one barrier that you implemented that worked really well? I think at the end you have to think that uh, in job, it's really important uh, that you feel that you can do your things, means. And nobody likes to feel that they are obliged to do something or whatever. And sometimes when you have trust with the other, you're forced to do something. But this applies for multinationals, for startups, for everybody. Then I think it's good to understand the motivations of the others and to put barriers where the limits of who decides what. Uh, so. You can you give an example of what you did? Which no, in, I give an example. If I was in charge of sales and marketing and he was in charge of uh, production and, and finance, it was good to share, was not good to claim, was good to 
to oh, decide. Okay. It, well, it is good to understand what is the role of each one. And the same applies for any startup nowadays. Hmm. You have a CEO, you have a CTO, you have... And sometimes the definitions are so tight that could be fights because it's good to share, it's good to make a joint decision, but then somebody is taking the lead and it's not good to have somebody in your neck telling you're doing a good or bad job. Yeah. So clear role allocations. Yes. So, okay, then from my perspective, a little bit the question, what if you're the CEO and let's say, I, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of startups pass through our program, but so you're the CEO and you have a clear CTO, uh, completely in charge of the app or platform, but you still seem like you want, you know, something different implemented and you want that and you want that and you have like discussions around these things based based on what you just said role allocation the cto would say to the ceo no like that's it i'm not telling exactly that what i'm telling is there is a time to challenge a time to agree and a time to execute what is not good is that you agree something as a team you agree this is the direction and 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 then you challenge that position oh, okay then uh, always is good to challenge and i give you an example when you create teams there is people that like to surround it of people exactly the same that, that the same person. Yeah. That's very convenient in the way that nobody challenges you, it's calm, whatever, but that's not advanced anything. When you are around with teams that challenge you, that's much more uncomfortable for you, but that makes you evolve. Okay. But to control this has to be an agreement, a moment to discuss, a moment to uh, everybody put their opinion, and then as a team, agree what is good for the company once you agree that and it is not another change that makes something that change on that decision uh, you cannot tell oh i was telling i was telling i was telling no we agree this we know this this is what we agree it's any change let's see discuss and we change this but this was the agreement yeah what you cannot do is try to win always in your opinion yeah i agree with that Cool. So, so then we move on from the family business. So what, what did you do after? After that, I, I joined Life Fitness. Life Fitness was like with ASICS. They just bought the rights. They used to have a distributor in Spain, in Portugal, and they bought the rights of the distributor to get back to the multinational. Um, what does that mean, buy the rights of the distributor? When you're a distributor, you have the right to sell the product in the country. Yeah. But sometimes the, the headquarters want to keep control of that. Then they buy the company and tell, okay, you're not anymore distributor, now as a multinational I can. But why would they give it the rights in the first place if eventually they will buy them? Because normally in the stage of a startup, a state of a corporation, a state of any company, there are moments that it's needed to have a headquarter or subsidiary or in a country, and there are moments that it's easy to have a distributor, an agent, or whatever. Then you make a contract, that contract lasts five years, six years, okay. two years. If you want to finish it before, that has a cost. Yeah. But that's any startup in the world has that challenge. They do not have money to put uh, offices all around the world, but they want to be all around the world. And sometimes there are business that with the internet is not enough and you need physical uh, locations and that's one of the choices. So, so pretty much if you're scaling, you don't have to have offices everywhere, you just make a contract with the distributor and then it looks as if you're everywhere. And they sell for you and they get one percentage of that sale. Really? That's like an agent. Okay. If you go to US, 
uh, in Europe, you decide a lot of times to have people, employees as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. In US, you have agents, and an agent is somebody that you do not pay, you pay a percentage of the sale. But that percentage of the sale, they are protected with the contract. Yeah. You cannot cancel that contract. No. If you cancel, you have to pay. This is the same when you go to countries, whatever. It's impossible for startup nowadays to go to all the countries in the world, but could have sense in some countries that are not priority to have presence and growth. So I have an idea how to hire agents and teams abroad. Um, you can most of the time even use recruiters, like multinational recruiters to do that. How would you, for a physical product, like a shoe or something, how would you get a distributor? Because I'm assuming you don't just go on like a recruiter website and just type in, I want a distributor. So how... This is the much depending on the industry and the business that you are. I mean, each industry, they have their companies that they are selling and they are really good on that. Then that's, if you're on the industry, it's not so complicated to find it and then research which are the good ones. But there are easier ways uh, to do this. What is true, that uh, these kind of decisions cannot be done. It's, it's like a marriage and because they 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 are the reputation of your brand. So it's pretty much you go to trade shows and or Google and you search the leading distribution agencies in, in the country and then you talk with them and then you have to treat it almost like an investor relationship or you really... Something like that. Uh, then you have to think that there are two kind of business. The business that can be scale up 100% online mm -hmm. And that's your need of these kind of things and the business that is really still need the the hard base to be really close to the consumer this kind of business always will need or to have offices or to have somebody or persons and then you, you have to have this is like imagine hiring a CEO in a country is the same importance because they can affect your image mm -hmm. or they can or, or they can make you earn money with good image okay so you said something really interesting so the there's two types, a business that goes online and then the one that needs to be closer to the consumer. Um, so why, and that is, maybe we're skipping a little bit, but let, let's go now to ASICs. Um, why, I feel like that could be a business that is fully online. Why take the choice to create stores and closer to the consumer, why not maybe create like a hype online or something or get influencers you, you have to once again you have to differentiate two things 100% digital product means the day that we can print in a 3d printer a shoe in your home mm -hmm. what you're telling is going to be 100% real you will need no shops okay but that's very far away but any business that you need physical uh, products even Amazon now is putting some physical shops. Really? Mm, Amazon has opened some supermarkets, have some physical oh, shops, they need show roaming because still people need to have an experience and touch. And I give you an example, if you are a runner, uh, which is the right shoe that you like? And you can be recommended, but at, at, at the end it's a, it's a feeling that you need to feel and know. And, and you have to test the product, then you have to receive the product, you have to test it, you have to validate it. And you can do it shipping product up and down, yeah. or you can go to a shop, test it, and know it which is the right one. 
But what is, I feel like Zalando really like figured that part out, which is the shipping part. With a huge cost for them. Is that, that's actually the interesting question for me. Like, is that cheaper or more expensive than having a shop like Asics has? Depends the business, depends where you have the shop, depends the product. If the product is very heavy or very volume, the transport is higher, uh, the, the employees are higher. I think it cannot be replied uh, on everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very... The good thing is, uh, remember when internet came, they told TV is going to disappear. TV is still there, only it's moving to internet move. Yeah. Uh, radio is still there, it's moving. What I'm telling is, E-commerce is here forever, it's not going to change, every day is going to be more, mm -hmm. but people still need experiences, people still need some touch, some feel, whatever, we are persons. And the mix of both things is we have to find where it is. It is not black and white TV, yeah. it's not the uh, only on demand, it's a mix of things. Yeah. There, When you see a football game, um, it doesn't matter if it's on TV or it's online, it's the same, you yeah. see it at that moment, not when you want. Yeah, then true. there are things that are going to happen in one place or the other. Then I think that we have to put in context is I think in, in this time we feel it's only one way. There are a lot of ways. Anybody can do everything. It's how you do it in the moment you do it, the result that you have. Yeah, I agree. So, okay, back to life fitness. Um, so it, you went from family business there. So tell what, what happened. It's a completely different uh, business. It's a multinational, American, with uh, rules like G-Socks, that was uh, Socks, uh, oh, Sarvin Oxley. That means that you have a stock exchange company. You have to control a lot of things, rules, procedures, whatever. But at the same time, you have a really small company because sales are really small because you just bought it and, and you have to grow it. And it's interesting because you have the two sides. You have, let's say, the knowledge of the big corporations that they are really good on procedures, maintaining resources, knowledge, and on the side you are managing a really small company. Uh, how small grow. is small? How big was the team? Uh, we create the team from zero because we start from zero. We have to. It was two, three persons that was from the previous, but we have to create it from zero. Then create it from zero to make it a, a reasonable business. So, okay, and how long did it take you? I was uh, three years and something until I moved to uh, ASICS. And what happened in those three years? Growing double digit every year, uh, increasing on people, on sales, on profit, uh, and learning a lot. So by the time you left, how big was it? There's, there are amounts that uh, you cannot tell because, you know, in this you have confidentiality no, agreements, but, but it was uh, some millions. No, no, not the revenue, the people, I mean. And uh, people side, uh, I think we finished with 20-something persons. Oh, so you built everything from zero in three years. And then, so what were like the biggest learning lessons? I think that the biggest learning is, first thing is, first, it's not the good or bad strategy, it's the strategy that you can apply. Because what I mean is, when uh, you think big company, uh, you are going to do things it, but the reality is you're a small company in a big company then you have to adjust your strategy. Mm -hmm. Second thing is the importance of people. I mean when uh, I, we will speak suppose later but when I see now a lot of uh, startups I think they fail for the people side and not because they are bad because they do not take in count the two criteria that are important. First thing is the role of the founder 
in each phase of the startup that is completely different and sometimes they do not realize initially they're really product focused raising money in the second phase they have they create to create the team they have some traction and in another phase they have to be leaders and it's completely different make a product raise money than be a leader some of the startups face for that because the founder is not evolving and second big failure on the people side of the startups is because they do not realize on the importance of the people they just receive the money and they start hiring okay but people change the culture if you do not hire correct change culture change ways change the company so how do you how do you hire i think the first thing is you have to know very well uh and 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 uh, we for example in asics we hire a basing basing three criterias the first criteria is does it match with the the culture of the company and this is as important if your cv your experience is really good but how do you know what the culture of the company is in the beginning we use psychologists for that we use our uh, long time influence but the first thing you have to have very clear what is your culture if you do not know it very clear proven what it is you cannot find it out and so how do you what are some basic steps some of our listeners could do I think the first thing is what do you want to be as a company? I give you an example. ASICS means anima sana in corpore sana. Sound mind is somebody. We are not about winning. We are not about we are sound mind somebody. We want to make a sport and through sport we want to make better people. Then in our culture we want to grow. Yes, we want to yes, but with rules. We in in our corporate culture following the rules, being good with your colleagues uh learn from furniture improve it's very important in other cultures it's only important to be the first to win whatever if you kill the others you don't mind mm-hmm. it's good or bad is your company culture each one will be will feel that their culture is better then the first thing is you have to define very well what is your company culture what do you want to be you want to be a charity or do you want to be a company if you are a company what is your aim what is your purpose what and with this you have to hire people that match these values i give you an example personally if i change of asics i will not be able to go to a tobacco company a what a, tab- a, tab- a smoking a tobacco oh, company a tab- tobacco, tobacco yeah. company yeah. why because i don't believe on unhealthy life yeah then if they want to hire me it will be not a matching culture mm-hmm. in others i will be 100% open but this is an example then culture is the first thing second thing is how we match with the team there is people that could match with the culture but the way that they they interact with the others could damage the rest of the team and a clear example if you have a football team mm-hmm. there are really good players but there are some players that add more value to the other players and there are some players that they play really well but they kill around the, the, the other players mm-hmm. then this is really important and for that you really need to understand what are the strengths or the weakness on your team and what this person complements so how do you spot people like that i think once again you have to make a lot of analysis of your people strengths weakness what and and starting for yourself what are you good and what you're bad with you're saying analysis like are these psychology tests like what are you doing we are doing psychology tests we are doing a lot of uh, working dynamics uh, a lot of teamwork where you can see how people work so like workshops i think there there are a lot of nowadays there's a lot of uh, ways to analyze how is your personality 
there are basic things from like, like the colors, the red, the blue, blah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one example. But there are a lot of things. Is whatever you use, you have to use it in a way that you're consistent all around. You cannot compare with you with red and with the other with another system. Is use a system that you believe, check that is right, and then use it. Okay, so then choose a personality test, and then okay, I get that you you implement what you find works, and then based on that you look at complementary skills that fit the team. What happens if you do that recruitment and like a bad person slips in? How do you handle it? You have to make, uh, for the fairness of the company, you have to make a fast decision. Can you give an example? Has that ever happened to you? I think I I give you an example on ASICs. Unfortunately, we make some mistakes, yes. And uh, it was one case, one guy that the first day was doing one illegal behavior. we have to execute very fast because the company don't allow illegal behaviors. Then, but all the rest of the people were reinforced because we're uh, following our the same mission vision and we were really thinking our culture. We didn't accept that. That reinforced the team. So okay, so he did something bad. You say execute fast. Are we talking like hours? Are we talking days? Are we talking weeks? I mean, if you see something that is really strong hours if you see that something that he can improve you have to give feedback immediately you have to improve and give the choice to people to do it what i'm telling is at the end is first thing is you have to have a strong process and all these conversations start because we were telling they make mistake starters why they make mistake because suddenly they have to hire 100 people mm-hmm. and when you make 100 people hire without processes without role play uh lot of tests that you can make in a person and you hire oh this CV is nice I hire this person the consequences can be really high but what I'm telling is many of the growth stage startups they have to be prepared to be in growth means they have to uh, decide how is their hiring process to avoid these mistakes if there is a mistake what is the process to solve this person to make them on the right track or if it's not possible how to be out of the company then for me this is crucial to think that is not having the money, is not hiring the people, is how you do it, is even more important than these two factors. So do you advise founders to then do it themselves or hire someone experienced or get external? I think there are two things on this area. External experience and and processes and not from outside, it's really, really highly needed. At the same time, it's your company. In uh, my two first roles in ASICs, I've been in the last uh, meeting telling the yes or no of each person. Because at the end, that could change the culture of the company. Really? Then means that you have to be in all processes. Means that with the time, your team is able to do all of this, yes. But in a startup that at the beginning, there are so many new persons, founders, has to be involved. It's part of the company. Cool. And it's part of, that's why their role is also changing. They have not so much time. If they have to hire, they have less time. So, have you seen, I can imagine as innovation, you've probably seen a lot of startups uh, go through. Have you seen like really good stories and really bad stories that you could share? I think that the the bad stories always is uh, founders uh, battles within them that they they broken, uh, they they have to split the company. That's the worst. Uh, Why do you think it happens? I think because 
this is like a marriage. Before marrying, you have to know who you're going to work with and you have to see if they complement. You have to understand what is the strength and the weakness. And it is the same that I was telling for hiring a person, even is the most important. If each one, if they do not have, let's say they have personalities that cannot match, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you have to think that in a startup, it's extremely stress. By definition, startup equals stress. <laughs> Uh, that's by definition you cannot change that even for because the startup is going well or because the startup is going bad it's a stress all of us when we are put on the stress we our personality goes to the limit Mm -hmm. then we do not have to hide this this is like people telling making contracts or not this is the same is you make contracts for where for where things go wrong yeah for part for for founder is the same you have to analyze when things go wrong how it's going to have both and then it will happen and you have to be ready for that. So you pretty much advise to do something, team building activity maybe, where people are put in the highest amounts of stress before you start the company? That could see. be one choice. Another choice would go to professionals that they put on the table when you're under stress, what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and don't lie yourself. means, are you willing to receive? Always, always there are things in life that you will not like. But if you know it and you don't like yourself and you accept it when it comes, you have to tell, okay, I know that, I accept it. It's not that I like it, but I have to accept it. Then I think the worst thing is feel that it's going to be honeymoon, every every time it's going to be nice, we're going to be in love. That's not life. Yeah. Then I think startups has to make first, this first commitment, this is my weakness, I will try to solve it. This is my weakness, I will try to solve it, but just in case we have to be patient on that side. Okay. So, okay, back uh, to, so you, you finished your three-year stint, um, what, what happened? Did you finish it or did ASICS recruit you? I was approached, it took me a while to make that change because I was not uh, active looking, then... Uh, what do you mean you were approached, like somebody on LinkedIn messages you or...? Well, a headhunter approached me. Okay. Then, uh, and for me it was starting again from a scrap. Uh, not was scrap because it was a bigger company, but starting to creating was okay. It's like creating a new startup, but uh, okay, that that's a little bit my role sometimes. So, weren't you? I see this a lot, and I have to be honest. Like for me, it's also a little bit harder because I've started my company six years ago now, and it became like the scale up, um, and then we started this event, and it became really big, really fast as well. But after a while, it kind of gets tiring. D- didn't after a while you you've had you know the family business and then you did this. Weren't you like tired of doing it again, or how how what was your thought process? I think it's not tired. The word is that you learn, and you know what you want to do and what you want you don't want to do. I think there is in any job in the life there's good things and bad things. That's not exactly the perfect thing. But there are things that for you are barriers, you know it, and you try to avoid it. I think that's what will give you experience. I think one of the problems of the society nowadays is that all young guys have so much knowledge, even more than uh, uh, all the people. The only difference is experience. Experience is, is like a, a machine learning. Uh, you have a lot of data or uh, uh, not data. All the people have more sets of data yeah. and the algorithm has uh, evolved a little bit. But knowledge-wise, uh, is not the issue. But that experience gives you knowledge what you have to do and what you don't have to do. 
so you were more like eager to use that new acquired knowledge to implement into ASICs or yes and I think the key thing on this kind of, of things is your mentality uh, and, and my mentality is always is uh, if I like the project I put all my skin on the game and and I do it uh, deep but that's for me it's important to choose the right the right project what was it about ASICs that attracted you that much I think ASICs, uh, funny things and, and personal things is when I was really young I have a t-shirt from ASICs but when I was in 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 uh, in Spain people was calling OASICs instead of ASICs <laughs> and I was thinking oh this brand is in Spain is not represented in the way that deserved and I like this challenge. Yeah. Then I take the challenge and we were a lot of years growing double digit moving from the third brand to the 18 brand to the third brand has been really interesting until I moved to the new position that even has been more amazing. What were, what were the steps? So you joined ASICS because I'm assuming you weren't... Yeah, what were the positions? What were you doing to get promoted or to get it from 18 to 3rd? I, I mean, basically, is in ASICS I passed four positions. The first was, was managing only Spain. Yeah. After managing Spain, I took Portugal. Portugal was a country that was losing money. Was it Spain and Portugal yes. or just Portugal? Spain and Portugal. And then what we did is put uh, in one year to make profit that uh, that country. So, but with, what's your position then? I was is general it? manager of Spain. Then I took general manager of Spain and Portugal. Okay. And then uh, after several years, then four years ago, I take also France as part of the business. It was okay. a bigger country was interesting and uh, different culture uh, much more bigger subsidiary than than Spain and Portugal but for me it was really interesting again to learn things and learn different ways to do things learn how you m when uh, the organization is much much bigger how you can uh, maximize the knowledge around the people how you uh, can make uh, use using the senior people in the way that you can maximize that and that's not easy but i think that the first thing is understand different cultures and that's not the basic assumption it's not the same working with japanese that working with french that working with portuguese or with the spanish it's very different and i give you a personal example when i arrived france i was perceived as a little bit aggressive when i spend i'm not as perceived as aggressive and the reason is because there are a cultural code that when you start a meeting, you start making an informal five, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. How's the day? How is what? And I was out of my home three days and I want to go very efficient and I was perceived as aggressive. Then until I realized this make meetings much more efficient because that five, ten minutes make them uh, connect and then they were more, uh, more uh, active to work. Then I think it's not good or bad. It's understanding what is the others, mm -hmm. understand how people goes and then try to use all resources and what I was all these games because what we are telling how you make more efficient this and I think the good thing on having three countries is that you have really good people in each country how you can use the brain of that people on the other country on what and how you do it without losing the, the local knowledge and I think that was the, 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 the key thing how is it personally managing three countries because you start with Spain which is already a pretty big task and then you add Portugal like you just you pretty much just say yeah I'll just I just added Portugal to that and then I just added France to that but like your schedule 
must have been crazy. I think the first thing is you need to have a good team. Without a team, that's impossible. It's not one person, it's one team. And then that makes a difference. The second thing is this is like making a sport. You can run 5K, then 10K, a half marathon and a marathon. The more you are trained, you can more. Let's say if the first day uh, you take uh, that size, maybe you cannot do it. Yeah. But for me, team is the most important. And with a good team, you can do whatever it is in life. Second thing is training help you to, to be more ready. And what you're telling is, I do not agree with the agenda thing. I, I think agenda is a mentality thing. Is if what is your role to do everything, or your role is to lead people, to help people, support people, and to make a good strategy to help them to go. That's the re the change in the role of the leader. I mean, if you want to do everything like you were doing before, check every ad, check every offer, check. That's not possible. You have to trust in your people. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to have good people. Yeah. And you have to make them direction. You have to help them. Then your role is different. Then. I think if I hear what you tell me, I can perceive that it's a person that do not make their change on what is their role. Mm -hmm. So what do you look for in your team then? Personality-wise or skills or...? I think it, it's silly. The first thing is I look that they're good persons. Yeah. Because there is one thing that calls speed of trust. If you don't trust somebody, you are uh, protecting yourself, then you are not speedy. Then. I need to trust my team. Correct. That's the most important because that gives speed and that led me a lot of free time. Okay. The second thing is skills, of course, and uh, and personality. Both things are important because complementary of personality, there is people that is very detail-oriented, people that is visionary, people that uh, like repetitive tasks. You need all of this mm -hmm. join of the knowledge that they have. Okay, and then how do you keep those type of high-profile people interested in working with you for a longer period? Because I can imagine for them, because this is now a trend that is happening every year or two, the new, like this generation, my generation, is trying to find the next thing, the next thing. So I've noticed that job hopping is a common trend. Do you experience the same, or how do you keep your people engaged? I... I you will see I always try to put uh, in three because it's my secret thing but I have three boxes the first thing is uh, you need to have an interesting job and what it means is normally all we follow a process that the first year we learn second year we think and third year we start to be bored mm -hmm. then this cycle I think it's in life and you have to think how you're going to give more motivation to these people second thing is the company itself if it's a company that uh, they really appreciate people inside, uh, atmosphere is good, uh, excitement you make, it mm -hmm. keeps also. I give you an example. In ASICS, we have gym, we have psychologists, we have yoga, we have thousands of small things that make their life more comfortable. Okay. But this is a double side. First, they are less ill because they are less stressed, but they want to keep because they feel happy to come to work. Mm -hmm. When this you ch when you do not have this part of, let's say, normally, if you analyze the hours that uh, you have in your life, you you are more hours in the work than at your home. Yeah. Because when you are at your home, you are sleeping, and rest of the hours are not so many, and you have the weekend. Then if that hours are really bad for you, that's yeah. not good. Then having a job that is compelling, having a place 
where you can uh, feel comfortable, feel like home, and knowing that it's not a charity, that is a company, means that you have to be a uh, company. And third is uh, make challenging an ambition and direction. All of us, mm -hmm. I was telling myself, uh, I motivate myself because I have a clear target or I have a clear direction. People have to have an ambition to do something. And I think with this new young generation, if it's no sense, if it's a company that it's only for money, they will not do it. Mm -hmm. It has to be a sense on the back. In our case, that is Anima San and Corporate where we want society to be better through sport. And that's a good aim. So then how do you... So now we're obviously in ASICS. So how do you implement that in ASICS where you really... I mean, that's a bold statement. And if you look at the other companies, like, you know, the other big brands... I can imagine all of them are trying to do something similar, but for me, ASICS, I remember my first memory of ASICS is uh, my uncle, who was like a big brother to me, uh, said, if you're buying running shoes, like drop all the rest, you gotta get ASICS. So that's my earliest memory, like when I was less than 10 years old. Uh, so in my mind, it was like, oh, ASICS is always like the good running shoes. but. You're saying like you're implementing all of this for your employees. Like, this new generation isn't just about the, the running shoes. Are you doing like charities or like I can assume only the yoga isn't enough for them to come? Everybody's I doing yoga nowadays. Reply yes. We have uh, some actions that we give shoes uh, and we have uh, some charities in UK that we're doing. But I think what is important is. And that's for me. That's a personal opinion, not a company. A personal yeah. opinion. I hate when companies does things for marketing purpose. Yeah. I think if you really do things because you really do it with good sense, it doesn't matter if you do it in a charity, if you do it internally, yeah. whatever. I agree. I give you an example. If you really want to be perceived as the best uh, company in running, mm -hmm. you have two ways to do it. One way is to make a big marketing bluff and make you feel that you are the Coca-Cola because you have a brand here or really make a good product. I believe if you make really good product that you believe, even you do a bad marketing sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, you have more, more to win and it's more aligned with what I think. For all the rest is the same. If you do things, you do not have to do things because it's a marketing or a bluff, mm -hmm. you have to believe it. And sometimes there are some companies that make uh, clean washing and they do a lot of charities a lot of things and after they will make things that are not legal then i think you have to align everything yeah. and do things that are authentic and real because with the actual society everybody will find the reality true yeah especially now with the whole pr disasters that are happening every year it's better not to do things that do do things to cover what you're doing wrong but that, that's my personal opinion. So let's uh, yeah, let's go deeper into then your ASIC experience. You started, you started growing. What what happened after friends joined into the company? We were growing, and then uh, Europe was making a, a change in the format they want to organize, and uh, they were proposing me several positions. But I was very clear that I want this new position. I think ASICs as you said, has been amazing developing the best shoes in the market, no doubt. But the reality of the market is different. The reality is that even Google says that they have more good engineers outside Google than inside Google because the wall is so big mm -hmm. that you have to look outside. 
then my vision was I want to uh, look outside. Uh, we have a good department inside that is doing the best use, but we have to look outside what is going to bring us consumer preference in the future mm -hmm. for the sound mind, sound body. And I was lucky that we have a CEO that believe on that and we create this department. So what's the department in your library? Basically what we are doing is, uh, one of the things that we are doing is uh, we are collaborating with the startups. Uh, we now, we finished just the second batch of acceleration program that calls Tenkan Ten. Mm -hmm. Tenkan Ten in Japanese means the tipping point. And we want to be the tipping point of the startups that are on, on the, uh, or they want to have a growth phase. So you started pretty much an acceleration program within ASICS? Yes. And you attract sports startups? Or? What we track is everything that is inside our name, Anima Sana Incorpore Sano, means everything that is inside the sound mind, sound wall, wall. We are not so focused on shoes or whatever, oh, okay. but we are focused anything that is a sport and health and wellness. And then they go through your acceleration program and then they can roll out internally to your employees? Yes, basically what we make is three areas of working. One area of working is the standard one of acceleration program. We work with their business. For that, we have entrepreneurs in residence that used to be uh, successful startup founders that help others to do, plus mentors, plus program, blah, 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 mm -hmm. business side. Second part is we focus on the people side. Due to our experience in growing business, we really focus on them, on the founders, how they have to evolve, understand the phase, and what they need to be prepared to scale. Hiring methods, blah, 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 blah. They have not, we do not tell ours. We make them think what they need to do to make it happen. And the third, not least, is working with ASICs. And working with ASICs could be using the knowledge of ASICs, could be using the distribution of ASICs, could be that ASICs is a, it's a customer of them, could be that ASICs sells their product, could be that, depends. Okay, so, bold question, why would you do that if you're, like, why not just create challenges where startups can just sign up and work with ASICs or something, or why not just have a venture fund that invests in startups? Why create an acceleration program? Okay, uh, good question. And uh, it's not a perfect answer for this, but I will tell you my, 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 my logic behind. First thing is, as a corporation, you have to understand what you can help and what you can help. I will put three areas and then I will develop. Second thing is you have to make a collaboration with a corporation is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And third is, there are some startups that they have a good product, but their finance on the back or the business model is not ready and they can fail. If I mix all of this, what I mean is imagine for a corporation that I put you money. Okay, I can lose the money. That's a problem, but not the bigger problem. But I put my reputation, my image, and your startup close, broken, and in the middle of a... Uh, that's a problem. Yeah. Then the first thing is, as a corporation, we're highly interested that the startup belongs as much years as we can. Not for buying the startup. Yeah. But if we make a collaboration, if the startup is successful, we're going to have a long-term collaboration. Yeah. Then that's the number one of the acceleration thinking. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, and making a project with a corporation is not easy. I always tell the same, but there are two, uh, uh, theoretically, uh, to make successful a project with a startup, a corporation, you have to make two things. You have to reduce the speed of the startup, you have to increase the speed of the corporation. Because if you try corporation to the speed of the startup, 
or start with the speed of the corporation, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> Why? Because start, uh, corporations, by essence, cannot go at the speed of a startup. No, and startups, if they go at the speed of the corporation, they will not be a startup anymore. Mm. Then, doing this, it's a lot of psychology, a lot of, and you can do that during a session program. Working with them for months, you can make like the Google Translator of the corporation and the, and the startup, and you can speak both languages, and you can tell this side and this side, and can try to connect. If you make a challenge, they come one day, they see every mm -hmm. one week, and they speak different languages. So the accelerator program is actually that thing where you slow down the startups and speed up the corporate. That's one part. And the last and not least is you have to think on what you can help. In our case, what we saw is we can, we don't want or we try not to help too much on the product. Mm -hmm. We want startups with product market fit that they have the product, but we have contacts, we have network, we have experience on the sector and we have reach. And then this, in a challenge, you cannot do it normally. When you make a challenge, it's a very early stage thing. Yeah. And if you want to do marketing, it's incredible good. You make a lot of noise, you make a lot of marketing, and that's really good. But from until it happens, it does not match. In our case, what we thought is, where we can help? Okay, you're almost ready to scale. Mm -hmm. We can help you. That's not a challenge then, because a challenge normally is an early stage. Yeah. Second thing is, this process is very consuming, time-consuming for both sides, then let's make it work. Mm -hmm. And third and not least, is we want this collaboration to last a lot of years. Then if we help you to have the right finance, we help you to have the right uh, business model, we help you to be ready for growth with people, mm -hmm. this will, that's where comes the logic of this. So that's why so many corporates are rolling out accelerator programs. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's assuming, and I don't yeah, like absolutely. to assume. I don't think they make this analysis. I think each one make our analysis. This is our analysis. Yes. This is my point of view. I don't think so because if you see the acceleration program, a lot of companies what it does is they hire to a third party, and they use mm -hmm. it as marketing. In our case, yeah. what we did is we do a team that has knowledge of both parts, and then we hire people external that help us with the startup world. Then. I saw a lot of programs, if you analyze, there are not so many successful on mm -hmm. the world. But the main reason is because, as, a, as I was telling very early in the beginning, you have to make the strategy that is good for you. Yeah. And in our case, we saw, okay, it's very difficult to make a collaboration. We don't want to make it as marketing bluff, because if not, that's very easy. Yeah. You bring 100, blah, blah, news, but that's not the purpose. We really want to find the long-term view. Agree. Cool. So, what is like the most exciting startup that was uh, that came through the program that you thought was? I think we we have the, the, to understand how we did it is the logic on the on the acceleration program because there are. Wait, do you equity invest as well? We have a small small peanut, but we're really uh, uh, startup friendly. So, so you take a small equity, but do you also give money for that? Or? And we are able to make follow up, but this is not the most important for them. Yeah. And we have to be careful because sometimes we can be a barrier. But if we take the logic of a normal acceleration program, is what they need is to have a lot of startups because by the statistics, uh, five will die, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We try not to be on that statistic. 
and our idea is we choose five to six per batch until now we make five but we have a limit of six mm -hmm. and we really customize it and we put a lot of efforts but it's like hiring yeah we make the same concept is the process of hiring is really really demanding we check the people side we check the business side we check the product collaboration side and we take the ones that for us has more probabilities to succeed sometimes you have the first edition we have really innovative but it's more difficult to make a project sometimes it's more up to market you don't see it so innovative because they are in the growth stage mm -hmm. and airbnb 10 years ago does not exist in the mind of the people yeah mm, and now it's common yeah. then but you can help more an airbnb than that, that uh, 10 years ago then what is important is to understand corporations they have to understand why they want that it's a marketing good propose no problem you can position for young people mm -hmm. that you're innovative that's good but if you really want to innovate you have to think which tools you have and how you use it to make it happen okay so then now we are getting into the story of so that's your current position right yes. now and you do that in all the regions that you mentioned in the beginning yes we we have uh, the office here in barcelona uh, now is the second year and and we are like in a startup means that uh, we can be here or tomorrow we can stop and do another thing and, and change because that's the role that we decide. Startup is one of the things that we are doing and second thing is we make two tests for the corporation. The first test is we are testing business models that in a normal corporation you cannot test. For example, uh, subscription, things like that because they are not uh, used. Yeah. We create external internal team and we put it as a startup in the program to test how it works. That's oh. one of the tests that we were doing, and the, and the last test that we did is even more uh, different. It's normal in corporations we have divisions. Mm -hmm. We take one small division, we take it from the normal business and we put it to accelerate them. But why we did that? Because when you're a small uh, division in a big corporation, nobody cares about you. Yeah. But sometimes they are, do not have the flexible startup. Then what we are trying is to make that mentality of making things happen in a, in a thing then there are tests and we know it's going to work we don't know we don't know if we're going to do it for a lot of time no we are a startup yeah and maybe tomorrow we do not repeat the program or maybe tomorrow we decide to change your job that's life and and we're on the roll and we accept it so we're almost coming to the end and then um what is your biggest lesson out of all of this i think you can learn from every site uh, I learn a lot from startups and a lot of things that can be applied in corporations and I learn a lot of things that from corporations that the startups can, can leverage and take. But uh, what I realize is main of the problem is that people is not taking the time to analyze and is neglecting that. No, no, I cannot work as a corporation. No, no, I cannot work as a startup. I think willing is, is uh, willing to change is the first step to doing it then I think these two years with the startups I see that companies with one zero 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 one percent of our resources are able to do things and on the other side I see that as a corporation we can give a value that we have to grant it our brand is granted and we do not realize how much value it has yeah I have a brand value working in ASICS I will have another brand value out of ASICS and that's a reality. When a startup collaborates with a brand, they really can. It's more important than the money than the project 
be able to use that credibility. That's the most important thing that could have a startup from a corporation. I agree. <laughs> I think that's actually a really good closing uh, statement uh, to give. Um, any last words towards founders or startups in the impact area? I think they, they, they I've been uh, now two years dealing with them. I admire the energy they have. I admire what they do. I think they have to take, if uh, they, from what I learned, three big things. The first thing is keep pushing. It was one guy that was telling how many times you have to try one thing to make it happen. And uh, he was telling until you achieve it. <laughs> <laughs> the, f the second thing is listen a lot. Don't think that you know everything. And then make your own decision. That's the third thing is, it will come a lot of people that will tell you that's the clue, whatever, but they are not doing their consultants for you. You have to decide, but mm -hmm. first listen. Then if you persist, you listen, and then you make your own decisions, I think they will succeed. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's You're welcome. <laughs> if you like this episode, you can check out our most recent one here. And if you haven't already, make sure you click here to subscribe and see the next one. But if you're interested in more tips and tricks, then make sure to join our Facebook group where you can find thousands of like-minded people and you get direct access and support to any business question from the entire startup funding event team.